Welcome to the Skillset Podcast, brought to you by the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina and Publishers Weekly. I'm David Lankus, Professor and Director of the School. Dr. Abigail Phillips is an Assistant Professor in the School of Information Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where her research interests include cyberbullying, youth, social media, empathy, librarianship, libraries making, critical librarianship, neurodiversity, and mental health advocacy. Abigail is a member of the Hashtag LIS Mental Health team. The Hashtag LIS Mental Health initiative aims to raise awareness of mental health among library and archive workers through online discussions, blog posts, resource sharing, and the Reserve and Renew Zine series. This podcast is part of our Collective Care series. So welcome to another edition of Skillset. We are joined this morning by Dr. Abigail Phillips, who is an assistant professor at the School of Information Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And Dr. Phillips is going to talk to us about her work, specifically her work with mental health in library and information science. So Dr. Phillips, thank you so very much for joining us this morning. Thank you for for having me and inviting me. Absolutely. So to get us started, uh, I wanted to ask you if you would talk to us about really just your path, your trajectory, not only to LIS, but also to the very important work that you are currently involved in. Um, Well, I started off as a kid going, well, this is, I don't know how far you want me to go back. But I started off as a kid as one of the library regulars, but I never thought I would be a librarian. So I, I don't have that story of I always wanted to be a librarian. I, I just started kind of volunteering and working as a TA or work TA, working <laughs> as um, a page, working as a eventually a library assistant. And um, my director encouraged me to go to um, Florida State University for my master's. And I really enjoyed working in the library. I, work, I enjoyed helping people. And as a pretty shy and quiet kid and then adult, it was a good way for me to learn to engage with people and learn to talk to people and mm-hmm. just get a little bit out of my shell. So um, then I, when I went to li- library school with the focus on youth, um, children and youth services. I thought I wanted to be a children's librarian and eventually, no, I did not want to be a children's librarian. So, um, and since I, I, I later, my next, after I graduated, I started working in a rural library system. I kind of did a little bit of everything because that's just the nature of working in a small rural library. But most of my work was with teens and teen services. Um, I was a librarian for a little over four years mm-hmm. and, um, I hit. Uh, I struggled with depression and anxiety since I was a teenager, so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't anything new. But burnout also happened because yeah. I was constantly at the front desk, constantly getting that um, that back and forth between patrons. And some some people seem to be really good at balancing take take not taking home not taking your work home, mm-hmm. but I I, I wasn't. Um, they're just different situations, you, especially when you're working with teenagers with so many emotions and they're they're going through a lot. And um, so 
I was encouraged that maybe teaching and doing some research was an option for me because that's always, has always been an issue, um, interest of mine. So I went back to Florida State and got my PhD and I started working with um, focusing on cyberbullied young adults. Mm. And um, once, once you get into that, it really does get a lot into mental health. Yeah. Um, and the impact that being cyberbullied or cyberbullying or witnessing cyberbullying has on um, middle schoolers, teenagers, um, even, even adults, because mm-hmm. it does happen among adults. Um, and so I, I really found that empathy was something that came up again and again with interviews with librarians about how they engage with teenagers. Um, and often they didn't really recognize it as empathy, but what I could, to me, that was what they were doing, they were performing empathy with um, their young patrons. And from there, it kind of, I I continued on that path, focusing on empathy and um, uh, focusing on uh, the services that are provided through through empathy, uh, mostly with young adults. But once I was doing my postdoc, oddly enough, not in uh, high school or LLS school, I was in, School of, uh, School of Education, Department of Instructional Technology and Learning Sciences. So um, I had an ex- experience when I was at ALA Annual when I, while still a postdoc um, that I had a complete panic attack and kind of a dissociative episode when I was on a panel huh. for the New Members Roundtable. And it was in front of about 200 people. So it, was, it just kind of pushed, I, I've never really been very open with my mental health, with what I've struggled with. Um, I would talk, I had a couple of close friends that also s- struggled with depression and just, a, and a plus as a doctoral student, a lot, there's a lot going on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in your mind. Um, uh, it, it just, it just seems to amplify everything that's already there. Um, so I was just, I just, just thrown by this, this feeling of in, intense anxiety in front of people for, for really the first time to that, to that magnitude and not really when you're in a dissociative episode, you're kind of outside of your body looking in. Yeah. Well, not kind of, you are you're kind of looking down at yourself and like that poor person, mm. <laughs> she oh, she needs some help. Mm-hmm. But then when I would talk to people and mention that, um, I would talk to friends or uh, people who were there, they were like, you seem so confident. Nothing seemed wrong. You seemed a little nervous. Mm-hmm. And to me, that blew my mind that nobody else could see this. Uh, so that, so I wrote a post about it on my, my professional blog. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people seemed to resonate with it. And I got, I got, so, just so many stories from people and really close friends that I had no idea were struggling, struggling with mm. so many different mental illnesses and they just didn't feel that they could share it, especially openly at work. Yeah. Um, that very openly at work is, is um, one of the, one of the things that I'm, it's really, that is upsetting to me that you that would go long later, mm-hmm. but uh, so I, I wrote this post and I, 
I have been do, doing a little bit within mental health because the empathy and compassion yeah. and cyberbullying that had already had, had components of mental health within it. But now I was really very interested in looking at librarianship and how libra librarians are not only trained to engage with patrons, but in, but um, how trained to engage with each other and with their directors or with HR. And there's just so many moving wheels and often it's not in the librarian or library worker. It's not in their favor. Mm, yeah, uh, absolutely. Because people don't quite understand what either depression is, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, mm. uh, eating disorders. Not They don't really quite understand what those mm. terms mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's kind of where I am now. Now they can, not overly vocal, but I'm, I'm just very honest. I, I tell people if I'm not, if I'm dealing with depression and I can't dealing with something and I can't make it to an event or make it to a meeting, I just, I can't, I'm not bringing my best self. And mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the person I want to bring. Um, and what the more and more my my work started to people seemed to respond really well to it, which surprised me. I, I just I didn't think people would. First of all, I didn't think so many people, even though it's, it's one in five Americans hmm. every year suffer from a mental illness or some kind of mental health crisis. Uh, it didn't it didn't dawn on me that, yeah, I, I have there are pe people all around me who are going through I haven't going through struggles I have nothing know nothing about mm -hmm. and so for from there it's just really continued I've I've worked more and more um, book looking at disability as well because mental illness is a disability right and so that's that's kind of where I am now yeah no it's amazing and so you talk about the response that you've received uh, from library professionals um, who mm -hmm. essentially see themselves uh, in the work that you're doing. And I'm reminded of um, when I first started working with equity, diversity, and inclusion and started talking about uh, microaggressions in the workplace or racism in the workplace, I was always amazed that I would have practitioners come up to me at ALA or other events and say, oh my God, thank you for writing that. I thought it was just me. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's really uh, gratifying to be able to essentially uh, validate other people and, and try and normalize different experiences. Um, and I'm wondering if you, how your work is then perceived by the, the, the high, higher ed, the, the ivory tower. Um, and if, you know, because I, I feel like sometimes higher ed in LIS, they don't always want that mirror held up to them. And so if you're pointing out uh, discrepancies and any type of dif disenfranchisement um, with the folks that we're serving, um, it can be easy to either reject or uh, dismiss or just say, you know, just stop it um, and, and kind of say, you know, do some real LIS work, do some real research. Um, so I'm wondering uh, if you've had experiences similar to mine or you know what has your experience uh been with kind of the others if you will like not the folks that are actually uh working in the libraries i think mine has been been very similar to yours it was a while before anybody it it just felt like i was doing research is really important to me but 
that not necessarily that I needed recognition, but just that I needed somebody to say like, this is this is something you're 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 doing something. I can I can see some value in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it it took a while. Uh, I remember doing. I would get a lot of rejections from conferences because I was focusing on something. So I don't know, soft is the word, but it, it wasn't the harder side of information science. Um, and plus I was looking, I was really interested in prof- in professionals and libraries and yeah. how we can support them. Um, Cause I, that's where I was coming from a mindset of how can we help, which is what librarians do. Um, it really hasn't been until the past, um, maybe I started working on, I think it's maybe the past a year and a half or two years ish. I started working with several, um, some other, other librarians with on a mental health, um, reserve and renew that the, the LIS mental health theme. And mm-hmm. um, we, it's, it's the, uh, as in, uh, if, if you don't know what Azine is, it's basically a, a, a small self-published booklet. You and you can create it. It can look like whatever you want it to do. Um, it can be drawings, collages, ske- um, small sketches, um, essays, poetry. We had somebody do embroidery, hmm. um, and we. we we put it. We put it. We put it out to everybody within the LIS umbrella. So museum workers, archivists, and library students, um, librarians, library workers, just LIS faculty, anybody. Mm-hmm. And um, we. So people sent in these amazing, super creative, out ways of sharing, and they could be an on, remain anonymous, or they could put their name on it. But um, it, it, it was just really, it was just really moving to me, and it, show, it showed me that it's, this is a much, it, this is a bigger problem than 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 I had realized. That, and we're we're starting our fourth zine now, so there's still there's still stories to be told, and um, we have a Twitter chat. This these are some of the ones that got me. Is, are these Twitter chats that we would we would hold on? Uh, we had LIS Mental Health Week mm. in February, and um, people people um, often talking anonymously. They would talk about how their directors responded to their either sharing that they were dealing with something or sharing or taking more leave time because they just physically, if you're severely depressed or suffering through some something it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to put, take a shower, uh, let alone go to work and put on a smile, which is what, which, which is what I, I did for maybe the last year of my library work mm. or my work in the library. And I had similar experience. My library director did not respond positively to when I told her I, I was dealing with some, some pretty severe depression. Mm-hmm. It was mostly more so more, more focused on, you seem to be upsetting the patrons and wow. I, yeah, I, uh, which is unfortunate that I assume you want to take care of your employees mm-hmm. as well as the patrons. But, um, but I would hear stories like that again and again from, from these, um, from these zine submissions. And, um, so that, so that, 
as that kind of movement grew, especially social media has been such a great outlet, especially Twitter for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it gives people, I'm not quite sure why I'm trying to figure that it, it just gives them an outlet. Oh, in essence, a community. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll say I went to see my therapist today and, and somebody else reads that and they're like, I'm glad you're being open about mm-hmm. going to therapy because yeah. um, people aren't often like, I go see a psychiatrist or I'm on medications or just to know that you're not alone because mental illness is so isolating as, as you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, I feel very much alone yeah. in so many situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, um, so many things I'm thinking about. Um, but at first I wanted uh, to give kudos to you and the team for the LIS mental health zine. And that's, um, really why I wanted, one of the many reasons I wanted to uh, chat with you uh, for the podcast. I teach uh, LIS Mental Health Week uh, every spring semester, um, and I teach the zines, um, and, you know, I usually have them do a zine on any topic, you know, not necessarily just mental health, but I use um, those zines as examples of what what it can be, and mm-hmm. inevitably, I have students that, you know, say, I had no idea that this was a thing. I didn't know that this was um, essentially accepted in the field. I thought that I would have to uh, go into the field uh, and just, you know, keep this to myself and, and, you know, be isolated and perhaps struggle unnecessarily. And so, you know, I, I think it's really important for us as LIS educators to be open and to teach these types of topics and have these conversations before our students get uh, into uh, this LIS and community work and and then feel like they they don't have an outlet. Um, And just, you know, thinking about uh, what you said about, you know, your former director not responding well. And that is another reason um, that I wanted to uh, chat because I think that there is this kind of barrier in this wall of understanding. And, you know, there's a lot of things happening. You know, you would know this better than I do. But perhaps people are rejected and dismissed by administration because the administration doesn't understand or the administration thinks that they're being sensitive. Um, There could also be the administration who sees themselves uh, in this other person's struggle and then has their own internal conflict um, so there could just be any number of things. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier uh, burnout. And I was primarily an academic librarian before I became a faculty member. And when I left to take my first faculty job, the burnout was so severe, I didn't actually understand what it was and what was happening until I was out of it. And I think that we really have to, again, have these conversations with our students because they're inevitably going to experience burnout for various reasons. And instead of thinking, I can't just, I can't handle this. This field is not for me. And then they leave, right? I I really believe that this plays a part in our retention issues. Lots of reasons for our retention issues, but certainly, you know, this is one of them. And so when we talk about this idea of self-care, and you know what are you doing for yourself, and how are you uh, nourishing yourself um, as an individual? And I think that's super important. Um, but to your point, I think what are we doing for collective care? How are we uh, nourishing and taking care of our profession? 
So as everyone knows, we have the pandemic, we have uh, social unrest, we have economic downturn. Um, we just had a, a really contentious presidential election. And library staff members are going through these issues just like our patrons and our communities. So instead of saying to our, our pay, or excuse me, our staff, you know, chin up and go do that curbside service. How are we making sure that our profession comes out um, as well, which is, you know, subjective, um, but, you know, how are we making sure that our profession comes out better on the other side um, of all of these crises? Because we're always going to have some type of crises. We just happen to have so many uh, severe crises happening at once. So that's not really a question, but just kind of, um, you know, reflecting back on your work, but also if you have further thoughts about um, mental health and collective care, uh, in addition to, you know, what we might be thinking about as self-care. We'll return to our interview in just a moment. First, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for the podcast, the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina. Interested in librarianship? Then join a nationally ranked program with over a quarter century of experience educating leaders in the field online. From the State Library of Vermont to San Francisco to the Business Library of Oxford University, our graduates lead in schools, cities, and states around the U.S. and beyond. Now, let's get back to our interview. I definitely, as a librarian, did not practice self-care. I don't think that I was a librarian. It feels like it's been a, it's been a while since I've been a librarian. So I don't think that was a fuzzy word as it is now. Agreed. Um, agreed. Yeah. But, so I, I just did not take care of myself, and that, which probably led a good bit to the burnout. Mm -hmm. uh, and I I think I see a lot of this collective care when I'm working with the zine when I'm working with my colleagues and the zines, because in this, we're, we're not wanting to just focus on ourselves and our needs, which, which are important and valid. We do need to, even with when we're doing the work with the zines, sometimes some may be um, a triggering or may cause some upset within us, but we, we still want to have this collective, this, this collective booklet that is essentially sort of some of them are a guides to self-care some of them are guides to caring for others um, with the pandemic there's just so many co conflicting i'm just, just picking up on things conflicting things from larger organizations within our community within our profession that mm -hmm. are it feels like they're shoving us out into the library, like just hurry up and yeah. put on a mask. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. but while we're also dealing with something that we've never, I'm assuming most of us have never dealt with a a pandemic and um, feeling like our lives aren't as valuable. Mm -hmm. We just we just need to serve serve our community above all else, and that's for the vocational awe. Yes, I can see that coming into play, and I, I, I am vaguely hopeful uh, that there, through LIS education, we can make it clear that these are issues that will happen within. I, I make it clear to my students that I've suffered burnout 
it may happen to you. You just may grow tired of your your job where you're at and you move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, just, just make it clear, honest to them that sometimes things just don't go as according to plan. They all, and they often don't. Um, and, and I hope, I know there are other, other instructors who are doing that as well, being, being honest and open and um, being compassionate towards students. And I, I just always say empathetic and compassionate because of course we need to be. Um, but I've had, I've had run-ins, not run-ins, that's, that's a sounds negative, but I've had situations, and this was a little bit a couple years ago in, uh, when I was doing, a colleague and I were doing, um, we were doing a presentation on how to support MLIS students, but I cannot say that without stumbling for the life of me. Um, and I remember very distinctly that, um, and in, instead we were having, a, it was the discussion portion of it, and we, we were just talking about ways to support and what a dean from an iSchool said that they would encourage those students not to pursue librarianship. Wow. And I was like, what did I just hear? Oh, just boy. We were talking about someday struggling, struggling with, oh, with anxiety, depression, just mm -hmm. because you have this limitation or not limitation, you have, you have this this going on in your life, like so many people do. Um, you don't even have to have an anxiety disorder to have anxiety. Yeah. Um, you were not fit for to help others, and so I'm hoping that that has, that I, that has shifted to more of let's um, let's look at the profession as a whole and see where the gaps are, see where we're not. Uh, either training or encouraging or motivating our students to not only take care of themselves, take care of each other, and um, just now I don't know where to go from that. Mm -hmm. Just I don't. I, I'm still taken away by saying you should pursue another profession because I I would have been that master student who yeah well and, and not only another profession. Yeah, and, and not only that, which is um, devastating for so many reasons, but what about the existing profession and workforce? Are we just supposed to, you know, toss all those people out too? No, that too. Yeah, and I was, um, it reminds me when you were speaking, I was watching the nightly news uh, and they were talking about young children who are not coping well with the pandemic. Um, and they can't go to school, they can't have their play dates. And, you know, and they were talking about it as a larger, uh, essentially child development issue. Um, but also the uh, reporter or the anchor said to the expert, so are you saying that two, three and four year olds can have severe episodes of anxiety and depression? And the expert said, uh, absolutely, um, you know, you know, you're talking about emotion, you're talking about all of these things, and you're talking about such extreme circumstances uh, with little humans who don't even know who they are yet and don't know how to cope in the world uh, as quote unquote normal, much less under these circumstances. So it reminded me of what you were saying 
that, you know, this perception and the stigma that mental health and mental illness is something that those people have. Mm-hmm. And I think you said earlier, one in five, uh, and it, it really is something that continues to need to be normalized because we're seeing it really just everywhere, especially as we continue to progress through, you know, one crisis after another uh, worldwide, you know, not just uh, in various professions. Hmm. Definitely. I, normalize is kind of a big word within or a big word I think about with when talking about mental health, like normalize going to therapy, normalize seeing a psychiatrist, um, normalize talking about your feelings or what you're going through because maybe somebody else is feeling the same way and you can really have this great moment of taking, breaking down that, um, not only breaking down that isolation, those walls, but also that's that horrible stigma that still persists that there's something wrong with you. People don't know what to do, do with you, but there's something wrong with you when there's, when there's not, you're, you're dealing with something, you're, you're dealing with something and you need to find ways to help deal with that, whether it's medication or therapy or a combination or, or finding a, a, a like-minded group yeah. of people who will talk to you. Um, yeah, I think I, I, very, I very much think about the stigma of mental health. And I, it's, I think that's part of the reason why some, um, some very much some of us, a lot of us don't want to talk about it. Or maybe, maybe that's why that Dean said that because they, they did not understand what mental health or mental illness, because these are all very um, strong, strong words. Yes. Yeah. And bring up a lot of in people. And, uh, and again, like, like you said, maybe if me telling my director, maybe my director had had um, previous issues mm-hmm. or had a parent who had or a child. And I, I'm sure that brings up a lot of yeah. emotions and you, just respond in the moment and it's it's just very messy that's a great word for it it's very messy and and we are we're dealing with a pandemic the election and uh dealing with the fallout from the pandemic Mm -hmm. i've um I, i had a library reach out to me to talk about mental health because furloughs were happening at their library and they wanted to know how their librarian how to help library workers deal with that yeah and and that's very heavy i it, it's so i just I, I think about it a lot just how how to help and some sometimes i don't know the best way i don't know i don't know the answers i just mm-hmm. kind of go by what i've found what i've my research and also just mm-hmm. empathy and yeah being there Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, like I said, I keep coming back to what I perceive as the parallels with our work in terms of empathy and compassion and and really having hard conversations up front, you know, with our students. And I'm, you know, again, thinking about the dean that you mentioned, and I just can't help but think um, and kind of, you know, do a quick public service announcement while we have this platform to say, you know, please don't penalize junior faculty and, you know, new faculty 
et cetera, uh, for having these conversations and doing this work. This is not, you know, as you mentioned, this is not quote unquote soft work. Um, this work can be very uncomfortable, but it's, it's so necessary. Um, and, you know, and I remember always having people say to me, oh, you're so brave. You're taking a lot of risk, you know, pre-tenure. Um, and that's a whole other podcast episode for us to have um, about, you know, uh, what's inherently valued uh, in terms of research. But, you know, I, I have seen a shift, you know, since I've started doing research as a faculty member, you mentioned, you know, a little bit of that shift in terms of when things were perhaps more accepted uh, in terms of research. So I can only hope that that will continue and that we will continue to be able to, to have these conversations and do this type of research without worrying about whether we're taking a risk or whether we're doing enough or whether it's being valued because we're actually uh, dealing with human beings um, in addition to, you know, how they perhaps interact with information in various ways. And just as a side note, I think I, not only pre-tenure, pre because I, I did have, have somebody ask me about because so brave to talk about something that affects so many people. Um, but also I've heard from um, library staff that they're afraid to come forward because they don't want to lose their job. They think Absolutely. they fear losing their job. So that is a, and it, it's valid yeah. in some cases. That's what, why we have so many librarians share and library workers share anonymously that this is happening to them. And, they're not getting any support. And I, it just breaks my heart that, that they feel they're in a job and that they work so hard to get and they don't be, can't be their true selves or, yeah. or share what to share. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and again, you know, um, that's, I think one of the huge strengths of the zine to amplify these stories and, and just give folks an outlet and allow uh, people a, a a safe or I should say maybe brave space to kind of come together um, and be able to see themselves and be able to kind of draw strength um, from this community. Yeah. So with that in mind, what's next for your research? Um, what's next for the Zine Collective? And you know, what are what are, what can we look forward to uh, in LIS? writ large uh, about LIS and mental health? Well, right now we, um, in the spring semester, we worked, or I say a few of us from the, the Zine Collective worked with a master student on her capstone and she, together we kind of created this LISmentalhealth.org. So that, that will have all, I mean, you can go to it right now and it has resources. We're building up blog posts on it. It has, uh, apparently I'm in the noisiest road in the world. That's <laughs> um, where you can you can um, find the zines. You can purchase the zines. We don't we don't make money off the zine. All all the money goes to um, mental mental health first aid, which um, mm -hmm. is a great organization that a lot of librarians and library workers have used because yes. it helps train it trains community members to en engage with uh, people suffering from mental health issues or with or, and or substance abuse because mm -hmm. sometimes they go together. Mm -hmm. 
So that that we're going full forward with the the website, and I'm making a lot of. Sorry, I'm very hand gestury for a podcast. So, um, just imagine a lot of hand, right. jazz hands. A lot of excitement, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and the great thing about it is that it has resources that are very specific to LAS, that are specific to people who work in libraries or archives or museums. And we've just had a great turnout of people who want to blog for it. Um, so I'm really excited about about that because I, I think it, it further amplifies it mm -hmm. um, and we're doing the fourth scene we have the call out right now so you have until December 31st I'll tweet a lot about it and I'm sure our other um, there's other people in the zine um, group will tweet about it um, you can also find it on the lasmentalhealth.org <laughs> um, for, for, for my work I, I really want to, um, for the future of it, I'm looking at the broader, again, I'm still still struggling with this idea of how, especially, mostly admin and even LIS educators, how we can support our, the future mm -hmm. of the, going out into the field. Because I'm, I, I see spurts of it with different, people out in the field like yourself and um, I know Rachel McGee out at the um, high school at University of Illinois uh, is doing work and and I and I just hear some I just hear little things so I know that work is being done and I want to help contribute to that and um, and as a former librarian I it's, it's nice to bring that perspective to it because I know what it was like in a public library to to deal with this. And so really I am focusing a lot of my energy right now on talking with LAS educators mm -hmm. and also thinking about administration because mm -hmm. those that seems to be the one of the little kinks in <laughs> especially administration, <laughs> to be honest. Yes. yes. HR, just uh, trying to get get them to understand. Yeah. And maybe I'm Maybe I'll just fall flat on my face, but that's that's the way that's what I've chosen. Yeah, or or maybe you won't, which I don't think you will. Um, and Thank you. you know, and you have we have to have um, we have to take that risk, however calculated to so. you know to make things known. So yeah, being risky is important. Yeah, yeah. The students look at me, you know, like no, we're not doing that, and it's like yes, you can take risks. <laughs> Um, you know, you have to make yourself heard, right? Whether it's whether it's for yourself or you know to help amplify someone else, you know. So, yeah, no, that's great. Um, before I ask you uh, the final question for our conversation, is there anything that you wanted to touch on, or that you want to emphasize, or that you wanted to uh, make mention of that I might not have uh, asked you, or we haven't come to uh, in our conversation? Well, it's just, oh, it's not even specific to LAS. It's, I think it's always important to remember to be kind. Mm -hmm. And because, again, you don't know what somebody else is going through. And yeah. that your kindness can do a lot for somebody, um, especially 
when I'm thinking about people with an LGBTQ community and um, disability community, just any kind of kindness and show of, of empathy is really important. And um, yeah, hopefully, but I'm a cheerleader for kindness. That is, I love it. It wasn't very researchy, but that's, <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Just to the point and something really important. So no, I appreciate that. So you alluded to this a little bit in uh, the previous bit of the conversation, but for our final question, what gives you hope? What what has given me a lot of hope is when I when I hear from people who they just share their stories with me and I take a great, great responsibility in that because that means that they trust me mm. and they, they, they see something in me that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And this still, this ha happens when I put my first post out about, about that experience at ALA and it still continues to happen. The more I, the more I talk to, um, the more research I do, the more I talk with my colleagues, mm -hmm. just the more I'm out there being really vocal about mental health and LAS. Um, just, just that the sharing of stories. I think there's something really powerful about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, again, I really value that and value that they trust me enough. Yeah, yeah. No, that's perfect. Thank you so much. So thank you again to Dr. Abigail Phillips. Thank you so much for just sharing your time, your expertise, and being so candid uh, in helping the profession uh, in the field really normalize uh, such important issues. Thank you so much again.